Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I, I am the good shepherd. I know the sheep and the sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Let's pray. Lord God, we, many of us, are familiar with this image of your son Jesus being the good shepherd. Open our hearts and our minds to hear this message afresh for your spirit to penetrate our hearts and to bring home those words and those truths that we most need to apply to our situation this day. In your name we pray. Amen. So I knew chances were that after the first club, I would be a little tired and maybe not 100% full of vim and vigor as I might normally be on a Sunday afternoon. So I planned a little bit of a condensed message, but I think that we're going to get at the heart of what is really going on here in this passage of the Good Shepherd. And I wanted to draw out three main points. One is the good shepherd is all in. Secondly, the good shepherd is defined by intentional relationship. And thirdly, the good shepherd's love is sincere or voluntary. You'll see that outline, that brief outline for you in your bulletin as well if you'd like to take notes. Now, sometimes I start out my sermons with trying to tell a joke to lighten the mood a little bit. But today, I thought that would be a bad idea. If I can get Al to shake his head in disgust, I know I've got a winner. All right. Uh, So the good shepherd is all in. What does that mean? Well, there there was a few few years back, the Seattle Seahawks, the team that I I most closely follow as a fan, season ticket holder for 10 years. I love the Seahawks. I loved them even back when they were like total losers in the early 90s. So I followed the Seahawks for a while, and they, um, they had a number of years ago their, their motto, you know, sometimes teams will have a motto or a saying for the year, um, and theirs was all in. And they'd had a placard at their practice facility, and the guys would slap the placard, you know, as they'd go out. And, it, and the idea was, give it everything you've got, okay? At Notre Dame, they have a similar one that you might be familiar with for their football team. It's play like a champion today and they'll, they'll slap that as they go out on the field. So that in, in sports, it's a, it's a fairly common idea of, of wanting to give it everything you've got, that you're all in, that you, you leave it all on the field. 
that sort of thing, that you're giving 110% or whatever, which is statistically impossible. You can't give 110% because there is only 100% of something. But you give all of what you are, that you're, you're fully invested. And Jesus is fully invested in us, his sheep. We are his flock. And so when he is describing himself as the good shepherd, it's quite intentional that he takes that title. Last week, we talked a little bit at the park about the fact that the scriptures, what, what Jesus was referring to when he came to his disciples and he showed them through the Old Testament, through uh, Moses' writing and through the Psalms and through the prophets that he was in fact the Messiah and that all the things that he went through were foretold in scripture. The scripture he was referring to was our Old Testament. All right? So that was Jesus' Bible. So the Good Shepherd, do you think Jesus just kind of pulled that out of thin air? No. This is a theme that's coming right out of the Old Testament. And if you're, if you're jotting notes, you'll, you'll want to take a look at Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. Here's just a portion of it briefly. Ezekiel says, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, close yourselves in wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. They were scattered all over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and has been so plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. It will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of cloud and darkness. So that's Ezekiel's prophecy of what he intends to do for his flock, right? God's people. He, and, he himself is going to be their shepherd. So Jesus coming along and saying to the Pharisees and teachers of the law and those that were hearing, I am the good shepherd. What is he saying about himself? He's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be the fulfillment of that prophecy in Ezekiel, right? Because 
The Lord told Ezekiel, say this to those that were supposed to be shepherding my people. You know, the, the priests and the Levites and the teachers of the law and the scribes. Those, those that were entrusted with the spiritual care of the nation of Israel. They were looking out for themselves. They were not looking out for the flock. And the flock then as a result was scattered. They weren't following God's law. And they could only follow God's law if someone were to teach them. So that fell to, to them as the leaders to be judged for how well they were doing. And he says, because you have failed, I myself will step in. And some of those things that are described in Ezekiel as sort of negative aspects of what they were not doing as shepherds, who does this sound like? I'm just going to highlight a couple of them. He says, you have not strengthened the weak. So, so I'm going I'm to reverse it and say the positives that were supposed to be going on. And, and you tell me if this sounds like Jesus or some of the things that he taught and he did while he, were, he was here on earth. Strengthening the weak. Healing the sick. Binding up the injured. Bringing back the strays. Searching for those that are lost. Ruling with gentleness and compassion. That sounds like Jesus to me. Does it to you? So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's, he's claiming for himself divinity. He's saying, I am the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. But he's also implying something about the Pharisees and teachers of the law in his time. What is he implying? That they're not doing these things. You know, if God himself is finally fulfilling that prophecy in Ezekiel, that he himself will come and shepherd his people, what he's saying is the failing that was going on in Ezekiel's time is the same failing that was happening in Jesus' day that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law also entrusted to care for the flock and to teach them God's way were also just concerned about themselves. We're looking to God's people as a way to enrich themselves, to, to put fine clothes on their backs and to feed them with rich foods. So the good shepherd is all in. He's saying, Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of this prophecy, much like he, part of the message last week. He's saying, this is a part of who I am. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired hand is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep, right? We've had this experience ourselves. We, we care for the things that are close to us, the people that are close to us in ways that other individuals aren't going to, right? If we've had children that have gone through school or we've handed off to a daycare worker or something like that, um, always in the back of our mind is, and no offense to the daycare workers in our presence, but always in the back of our mind is, is this individual going to love my child the same way I love my, you know, as, as much as we're ready to have a break from our child, we're also kind of concerned that Maybe they aren't going to be cared for, understood, or treated in the same way that we would treat our, our own children, right? Likewise, if we've put a lot of effort into a project at, at work or something we've painted or designed or created, 
and we've invested in that, and then somebody else comes along that's not been involved in that, it's just natural. They're not going to care as much about it as we do. Right? And so this, what Jesus is saying to people is, is kind of common sense. Right? The hired hand. Those that, are, those that are just looking for a paycheck are not going to care for the sheep as much as the true shepherd, the good shepherd, is going to. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. And when the wolf comes and attacks, I'm not going to run away. I'm going to defend my sheep. And that kind of leads into the second point. The good shepherd is defined by intentional relationship. Verses 14 through 16. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep knows me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you think Jesus wants us to know that he's laid down his life for us? He repeats it over and over again. It's kind of like, hey, I want you to understand. I'm laying down my life for you. Not for a philosophy or for an idea. I'm doing it for you. It's about relationship, and it's intentional. He says, my sheep know, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Now, what is helpful is a little more context from earlier in the chapter that we don't get in this specific passage. Uh, in verses four, 1 through 4 of John chapter 10, he says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, I've never been a shepherd. All right? Has anybody here been a shepherd? Any shepherds in the house? No. Okay, no shepherds. So we're kind of all in the same boat. But we can learn about how shepherding was done back then. And there were different kinds of sheep pens. All right? There were kind of the impromptu sheep pens that were done out, out in the country. That could be as simple as the shepherd kind of gathering the sheep in one spot and surrounding them with um, thorns or briars or brambles to kind of form a hedge around them, and then the, sheep, the shepherd would sleep in the midst of his sheep. That was one way of protecting them. But in a lot of, of, of the towns that were of any size at all, there would be a larger sheep pen that was a permanent structure that would have stone walls around it, and there would be a gate, and it was for communal use. All right. So when the shepherd, shepherds brought their sheep into town, all the sheep would kind of mixed together, right? Now, if you're, if you're not a shepherd, if you're like me, you'd see all those sheep milling about, you'd be like, how in the world can they tell one sheep from another, right? Nowadays, we microchip them, you know, we put tags in, in the ear of our livestock, you know, that sort of thing. They didn't have any of that technology back then. But what they did have is they had good shepherds who knew their sheep who are alongside their sheep from birth until whatever age they were at present. And the shepherds had certain calls for their sheep. 
right? So they could, they could whistle or maybe they'd have a word or some kind of command. And those sheep would recognize the shepherd's voice. And of all the sheep that were mixed together in the sheep pen, that shepherd would stand by the gate and the gatekeeper, who was kind of charged with protecting the sheep while the shepherd were getting a rest or going to the tavern or, you know, I don't know what. But while they're not there, the, gate, the gatekeeper would stand there. He'd open the gate. The shepherd would call for his sheep. And of all the sheep in there, just his sheep would respond. Now, they've, they still do this to some degree today, so they've tested this. Like, if I knew Kennedy had a certain command for his sheep, if I showed up and I, I was like, oh, well, I, I know the magic word, so I'm going to be able to steal Kennedy's sheep by just knowing the magic word that he calls his sheep by. No, the sheep would be like, nope, sorry, not my shepherd. I could say the right word, but because I'm the wrong person and I'm the wrong voice, the sheep would not follow me. So when Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me, he's talking about this kind of relational connection where we get to recognize Jesus' voice. And we can tell when it's Jesus and when it's not Jesus. Right? And how do, we, how do we do that? How do we get to recognize? There's lots of voices out there. Right? There's lots of people we could be listening to. When you show up to church, have you ever shown up to church and the preacher up front was preaching something and you're like, nah, I don't know. It just didn't sit right. There was something in your spirit that was like, I have, and I think that is God's spirit in us telling us when the voice is a little less than authentic. Isn't really Jesus speaking through that individual? And sometimes we can't exactly put our finger on it, but we know. And when we don't know, the way that we get to know is that Jesus is never going to say anything to us that is going to contradict Scripture. So a great way that we can get to recognizing the shepherd's voice is to be involved in studying the word of God. Right? And it doesn't really matter where we study. right? Because I've already told you, Jesus' Bible was the Old Testament. So you can study the Old Testament and learn to hear Jesus' voice. You can study the New Testament and learn to hear Jesus' voice and understand the good shepherd better. And it's important to tune in to the right voice. It's important to tune into the right voice, the right message in times of crises. I, I think of it a little bit as, you know, about a month ago, we had the, the big uh, dust storm, right? And I told you about, and Phyllis, you, you probably saved me quite a bit of agony because it was, one, it was a Sunday where you grabbed me and we talked for a little bit after the service. If I had been on the road 15 minutes earlier, I would have been in that accident. And it smashed up eight or nine cars, and I drove by, and I thought, whew. But even before getting to that, that point, no, actually, I think it's a little bit further on in the road. You've seen the signs that say, you know, they, when they're flashing, tune to this station for, you know, for traffic news or whatever. All right, so that's flashing. You know, tune into AM 1690. So I know where to, t I, in that case, I even know where to tune in. But if I'm busy driving and 
conditions are kind of hazardous, I can hit the, you know, I can turn on the radio and I can hit the scan button. And especially late at night, AM stations, you know, it's like picking up every, you know, every, every station along the way, no matter how faint it is. How prepared would I be if I just turned on the radio and I said, you know, I'm hearing some kind of static. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's good enough. I've turned on the radio. Is that going to give me the news I need to know about what's coming down the road? No. <laughs> Not even hitting that scan button a couple times. I've got to get it to the right station. Then I'll get the information that I'm intended to have to prepare me for whatever is down the road. Right? Now, your leadership team and myself, we're going to be working together about some plans for discerning and hopefully tuning our radio stations to, to the right voice so that we are discerning together what God has for us next. So that we're not just spinning our wheels. We're getting some direction from God. And that takes some, some buy-in from all of us. right? It doesn't do any good if, I, if I'm tuned to this station, you're tuned to that station, you're tuned to that station. We, we want to try to be tuned into the same station. We want to try to all be listening to the Good Shepherd, to be engaged in the Word, so that we are all hearing, God willing, the same voice, and that we can discern together. So be listening for some of those plans as they unfold. Because the Good Shepherd is intentional, and is intentional about relationship. Just like that shepherd raises the sheep to recognize his voice, and the sheep can hear the voice. And, the, and, and more than that, that shepherd recognizes his sheep. He could say, nope. You know, I, one of my first youth groups, I had twins. And when the, the very first time I met them, I couldn't tell them apart. Three months later, I couldn't believe that I ever couldn't tell them apart before. You know, that they were so different. They didn't look anything alike to me anymore. But, but that familiarity, that relationship is what helped me make the distinction. Likewise, sometimes when we feel anonymous, like, what good am I? You know, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm one of a billion followers of the Lord. Somebody else can do it. No, Jesus knows you specifically. If he called you, there's a reason he called you. Not just somebody. You know, you're not just a number. You're not sheep number 556, right? Which is hilarious to me to think about that because how do we tag our livestock now? With numbers, right? It's not old Bessie and, you know, Sally or whatever. They're, they're just numbers, all right? So we do it to, we might do it to our animals, but that's not, that isn't, that isn't the illustration that Jesus is drawing on here. Shepherds knew each one of their sheep. Lastly, uh, I just want to point out, the good shepherd's love is sincere and voluntary. This comes a, a little bit from the distinction that he draws between the good shepherd and the hired hand, right? The hired hand, you know, they're, they're, they're paid to be there. And you, we've, we've all, you know, maybe when we were kids, you know, we had a babysitter we didn't click with. You know, we just knew the babysitter was there because they were, they were making money, you know. And some we really connected with. We could tell they cared about us. 
Same with teachers, right? We've had those teachers or those coaches that really invested into us, and they were there for a relationship, and others, a paycheck. But we can tell the difference. We can. It's easy. So Jesus wants us to know that, yes, he's laying down his life for the sheep. That's what he's called to do. But it's, it's sincere. It's, it's voluntary. He's not forced to da- lay down his life. It's not like, you know, Jesus, as he was growing up, he was reading Old Testament scripture and reading the prophecies about himself going, oh, wait a second. I'm going to have to die for them? Okay, I guess. Right? No. As he's reading about this, and, and he's, he's filled with God's heart for his people, he is God. I mean, it's all, it's complicated, right? We don't know exactly how all that worked. But he's saying, I'm not doing this because I'm compelled, that God the Father is making me, you know, twisting the Savior's arm to say, you're going to go to the cross and you're going to save those people whether you like it or not. No. He's saying, nobody's making me do this. I lay down my life of my own accord. And more than that, I can take it up. Right? Jesus getting arrested in the garden. Peter thinks he's doing Jesus a big savior, pulls out his little dagger of a sword, and whacks off Cleopas' ear. Jesus says, hold on. <laughs> Don't you think if I wanted to call a legion of angels to defend me right now, I could? The whole point is I am entering into this voluntarily. I am choosing this because of my love for you. So Jesus is compelled, but he's not compelled by the law. He's not compelled by the authority of God the Father saying, you're going to do this, Jesus, for these people. He's compelled by love. I think sometimes we... We make a distinction between love and relationship and duty. Love and duty, right? Like that those are two different things. Like why does a soldier serve? Is it because it's their duty? Because they love their country? Right? Most soldiers would be like, no difference. They're one and the same. The same thing with a, with a married couple. After you've been married for a while... It's like, well, you're just doing that because of your wedding vows or whatever, because you have to. No, you're doing it because, and that a, a mature love doesn't make that dis- distinction. Why am I caring for my spouse? Why am I looking after my children? Because it's my duty? Or because I love them? And I would say, yes, both. Because we love that individual we are compelled to fulfill those things that look like duty to anybody else on the outside. Those chores or those tasks. So, Jesus lays down his life, but he's not forced. He's not compelled by lies, compelled by love. Jesus is our good shepherd. He's all in. He intentionally loves you and me. And he is interested in those sheep that are not of this fold, that are still out there. And we can be a part of reaching them with the message of the Good Shepherd.
Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your love and your compassion for us that compels you to lay down your life for us, not because we've earned it, not because somebody's making you, but because you love us. That's an awesome thing, God, because we are like sheep. We need a shepherd. We're going to listen to a voice. It, it might as well be your voice. We hope it is. And Lord, for those times that we've strayed or we've wandered away, we thank you for the grace that you come looking for us. We pray that you would bless us as we prepare our hearts to take communion, to remind ourselves of the sacrifice that you indeed lay down your life for the sheep. We remember what you've done for us and we thank you for it. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray.